It was once my lifelong dream to be a game show host. So welcome to Dre's Supermarket Sweep. And our first contestant is <laughs> Jay Penske. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. That's not the person I would expect to go wild in the aisles, but here we are. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 454 of Motorsport 101. I'm your friendly neighborhood host, Jay. Jay? See, I've already... Our friendly neighborhood host, Jay Penske. We actually got him on here for the interview as to what the fuck he was doing. Yeah, like, he's here tonight. He's like, da, 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 da. Not, not quite. It's, uh, it's, 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 it's Dre. D sound dre harrison back at it with another episode of motorsport 101 and uh well we had to talk about the portland d pre um and we'll we'll, we will do so in a minute because it was one of the most newsworthy formula e races we've had in quite some time and one of the biggest stories maybe in all of motorsport all year happened before a wheel was even properly turned in anger because uh we had cheating and I, and I don't even mean like subtle cheating or like maybe there's a vagueness in the rule book cheating. No, this was blatant cheating. This, this was, was hardcore this was that, cheating. This was that smoky eunuch. You have nine things wrong with this car. Better make a 10 and driving it back to the pits with no gas tank kind of cheating. Oh, <laughs> no. See, I, I don't I don't agree with that. And the reason why is because it's not as clever and it doesn't involve as many funny one-liners as no. a typical Smoky, Smoky Unic versus the NASCAR official story would involve. This one just involves John Eric Vern going off on a Twitter thread. Hey, remember Twitter? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a good thing he did it when he did. Otherwise, he would have been rate limited. I know. Like Again, just- Cam, as we talked about recently, it's not about rate limits. It's about no limits. Here are the Motorsport 101 podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna be a how fun do i follow f- that up like like we're no. making Kunk- we're making kunkelman chevrolet references on the podcast bro this is this is tna this is tna impact <laughs> bag oh. credit no credit roll, roll credits, credits. <laughs> uh. so on this podcast that may or may not include free hydrox <laughs> cookies um we are gonna i'm t- out <laughs> if you if you know you know yes we are all big fans of regular car reviews on this show uh we'll be talking a little bit about portland zipri but uh just to give you guys a heads up um we are not going to be talking about moto gp and Aston this week <laughs> look we we were we burning tried. the midnight oil um for anything you need to know about the race Dre wrote a wonderful race review on our website because I literally could not make any other points beyond what he had to say. Well, just oh, not a lot there. I just, think this, I just think trying to record that episode was was cursed because we tried it the other day and my internet was just like, no, 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 senor, no, senor. Uh, RJ's internet was not having this. He was like, no, we're going to grind this show to a, to a fine paste no matter yeah. which way you slice it. Yamaha launched a spare R1 into his local internet provider's infrastructure just to stop us slandering them. Yeah, pretty much. It, w- it was almost like it was Yamaha's turn for a dog pile, and we were just like, you know what? No. Um, and 
Yeah, look, honestly, like this is this is us being sincere and we're being creative about the process here. Sometimes episodes are very hard to work with. Asin gave us nothing. Like in a very similar sort of style to Magello we had earlier this year. I'm not going to force us to sit down and talk for 45, 50 minutes about a show where there's not 45 minutes worth of shit to talk about. And this was one of those occasions. Um, Francesco Bagnaia was dominant. Marco Bezzecchi tried. Brad Binder really tried, um, but couldn't, could, but could not help himself in hard, cutting the last chicane twice <laughs> in the in the final lap of uh, of both the sprint and the main race. And uh, Yamaha stink. Um, and the only thing that's really changed is when we originally record, or tried to record it last week, was that there are there's some political rumblings that. Um, Dorna are going to try and tweak the concession system so that Honda and Yamaha might get some extra resources to try and bridge the gap. And Ducati's like, you better be very careful how you word this or we're going to veto the shit out of this. Um, because they're Ducati. Of course they're going to fucking veto it. Um, like they're Ducati. Are you new here? They've been gaming the system for the last decade already. Um, that's what they do. It's what any smart thing to do. Mm. So with all that in mind, we thought it's probably best creatively if we don't force it. And, well, Portland is a far more interesting case of what to talk about motorsport-wise than that. So if you're expecting a MotoGP as an episode, forgive us. Um, if, as Cam very politely said, and that's probably the nicest thing Cam's ever said about me on an episode of the podcast, to be honest. Oh, trust me, it is. It's not <laughs> happening again. Don't get used to it. <laughs> it's a love-hate relationship i love him and he hates me but um like like the the, the, someone has to (laughs) if you want some extended thoughts from yours truly do check out the website motorsport101.com find the asin review there's a there's a there's a healthy amount in there on asin itself some of yamaha struggles and all that weekend in general trust me that was about it um so yeah just in case you're unaware as to why there's no Aston episode. There you go. We, we'll be what we might do. We might do a MotoGP mid-season review in a couple of weeks' time, in the middle of their extended now five-week-long summer break, because this was meant to be Kazakhstan race weekend. Remember when we were meant to go to Kazakhstan? Great success, no, everyone. I don't remember. Good. Keep it that way. Um, so yeah, uh, this was a great failure. Failed massively. So. You know, maybe on a quieter week, we'll do a mid-season uh, catch-up and dialogue and, and assess the state of the Ducati. Oh, sorry, field, field. Um, yeah, my bad. I, I don't know how I could have possibly gotten that misconstrued. Um, so, yeah, we're going to talk about Portland and probably the biggest motorsport cheating scandal we've had this year between them and Maya Shank. The Golden Cock is going to be hotly contested this year. Trust me, we have a, we have the most heaped category for that award, maybe ever this year. We have two prime contenders. Like I, I can't believe I'm saying this. We may have to split the cock um, because... Oh, no. <laughs> oh, oh, my crotch hurts just thinking about this. Oh, uh, because... Uh, I had surgery on my groin three months ago. Oh, sorry, was that too soon? <laughs> yes! 
And yet here we are. We'll talk about the cheating scandal heard around the world, which shocked everybody at the time that this was even happening. How Jay Pensky got himself a 25,000 euro fine and a pit lane start for both his cars. And he should thank his lucky stars. That's all it was. No kidding. More on that in a minute. And we'll also talk about uh, the Portland Epre itself. And probably the most unique Formula E race we've had since that time at Valencia a couple of seasons ago. I mean, we all tuned in for a Formula E race and Talladega NASCAR Cup Series broke out. Yeah. Um, You know how we all went mad about Berlin having 200 overtakes plus in a single race? It felt like it was 200 overtakes a lap. Uh, Try doubling that. Dear God. Because uh, we had a Formula E race with 400-plus on-track overtakes, but we all kind of watched with raised eyebrows. We'll we'll try to explain um, how how we come to this conclusion. But again, places you can find us before we get into that, we're um, we're at motorsport101.com is our website. All of our podcasts go up on there, as well as extra written content by yours truly. If you want some thoughts on this past F1 weekend in Austria, i.e. the Max Verstappen dick flattening episode, um, do check that out already. Um, That is up there already. If you like John Boys, you might appreciate the reference I put in there in regards as to how we got to this point. Because Ah, yes, the false knee, fuck you. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, using play calling to flip the bird, as I, as I used to describe it, because uh, that was a uh, dick flattening. Um, I, I know I keep mentioning like damage to crotches over the course of this episode. I promise I will stop. Um, and there were, like, but, and by the time this goes out, it's already gone up. But uh, a couple of hours ago, as we record this, I put up the also the race review for IndyCar in mid Ohio, because hey, what's like, what's better than one beaten? Two beatings, because Alex Polo is apparently now unstoppable. It's it's a weird one. Um, Yeah, so we'll we'll talk a little bit about that as well, because the second most populated person to talk about in that race was um, Benjamin Peterson. Oh, God. It was one of those days. Third place, probably Simon Pagano for not even racing. For... Having just a, a monstrous crash. Yeah. 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 As I said in the post, get well soon, Simon, because that was a. Uh, I know he's reasonably okay, and he, he, he joked on Sunday morning that uh, I felt worse than this before getting in a race car. And I'm like, Simon, that's the problem. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, glad Connor Daly stepped in and did a reasonable job getting it home in 20th and beat Hadia on the day. So that's a, that's, a, that's a good day's work for Connor Daly on that one. So good for him. Um, so all about that and Benjamin Peterson's blocking talk and hey, David Malukas did his Damian Lillard moment. So all of that and much more on the race review there as well. If you really like our content, you can back us financially on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. Five bucks gets you early access to all of our shows. You can upgrade to 10 for the support that's come by Discord server and you can listen to these shows live as they're being recorded as Jason is right now. Thanks, Jason, for joining in. He says in the chat, um, can confirm the golden cock is brewing and I may have a secret third contestant wink emoji. That's a terrifying thought for all involved because, uh, although it, it would have to, it would have to go some to match the first two contestants that we've already got penciled in for that one. Let me tell you. In fact, let me tell you about that right now. As we get into the Portland Depre.
Insert cash or select payment type. <laughs> Perhaps the biggest story of the weekend. <laughs> Heck, maybe the biggest story of the entire FE season so far was both TS Penske cars having to start from the pit lane. Why did this happen, do you ask? Well, because they put RFID scanners at the end of the pit lane to scan the barcodes of everyone's tires. Use pin pad to complete transaction. <laughs> now, because this is exceedingly illegal to do, uh, they coughed a pit lane star penalty and a 25,000 euro fine. Um, where do we even start with this? I mean... It is just brazen, unrepented <laughs> cheating. I was going to say uh, we were going to start with thank you for shopping at Safeway. Uh, but I also want to read uh, John Eric Vern's response to this. First, a sure. Twitter thread. I read so many unfair comments about the decision that lead us to start last for the Portland race. Quote, my team had installed RFID scanning equipment in the pit lane entry that was able to collect live data from all cars. This is completely wrong. With that system, we merely read the serial number of the tires in order for us to know what tires are being used by others, something any team could do and surely does by taking photos. This information in all other categories isn't any way given, but we never have any access to the kind of live data from other teams. We never had pressure, temperatures, or anything else. I stand by my team. We accept the decision as having this machine in the first place but not allowed. In no case can this be considered as what we are being described Let's race now, fist emoji. So that's what John Eric Byrne said in response to something I just, I just thought this was silly, man. <laughs> You're going to get popped 25,000 and a pit lane start for they half. They were lucky a- they didn't get tossed from the weekend over this. Like, uh, yeah, because that, that was my initial thought when I first, like, I had to read the steward's note twice to make sure I fully comprehended what was going on there. I'm like, what? They did what? <laughs> I'm like, like, the thing is, right, even, like, look, I like John Eric Vern a lot. He seems like a really genuinely good dude, and everything I've ever heard about Jev in Formatory has been, like, he's a bit grumpy, but he's a genuinely lovely bloke who is very passionate about the series. He's clearly... You know, he's a big ambassador for it. Remember, he, he partly owns this team, let's not forget. He's, um, he's a grumpy old man with a heart of gold. Yes, and 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 I have nothing but love and respect for the man. However, and and, and normally, as, as the rule goes on this show, if I praise someone for being a nice guy, there's normally an insult coming. How fucking stupid do you have to be to do this? Like, honestly, it, it's not even like this was up for interpretation. It explicitly says in the rule book, you are not allowed to set up equipment in pit lane. Like, it's not like this could be misconstrued. It's not like this could be, you know, there, there could be a loophole in the rule book. There <laughs> is one way, Dre. You know, it, that sign won't stop them because they can't read. Oh, so you're saying that John Eric Verne is DW from the show Arthur. Is that it now, yeah? Uh, you know, that is the only logical explanation. Jesus H. Christ. Um, like, like <laughs> look... Like I said, there, there is no way you could have possibly gotten this confused. There is no... This is not like Formula One, where teams will will look at every rule with a fine-tooth comb and look for a loophole that the sport has to there catch up and no close. There is no ambiguity here, Dre. No. It says explicitly, hey, don't do this. And then DS <laughs> is like, 
but what if we did? <laughs> like, look, if, we're t- if, 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 if we're taking Jeff at his word, and look, I am, because I, 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 I don't want to accuse anybody of being liars, right? If we're taking Jeff at his word, fair enough. You may not have had live data. That is irrelevant to this discussion because you are not allowed to set up equipment in pit lane. Like, and, and the thing, and, and like the, the the funny thing about it is, is that Jeff explained on TV to Radzi and Nikki Shields, who was down there, the usual broadcasting team that's down there for Formula E. Because I know, I know they're all close down there as well. And Jeff yeah. basically explained that. Yeah, like we do this all the time already with photography because obviously you're allowed to have photographers at a a race event and you can scan them that way. And having an RFID scanner is just a more efficient way of doing that. Like if 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 this is not about having live data in the garage, then why are you even bothering bringing a bunch of scanners and putting them in pit lane when you, you know, know it's it against rem- the rules? You know <laughs> what it reminds me of is like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, you know, it's not typically like it's frown. It's sometimes frowned upon, but not explicitly illegal. So if in a baseball game, right. If somebody is giving away signs that are very obvious to the code and you relay them to the rest of the team, that's like, yeah, it's kind of a dick move, but it's not explicitly illegal. But what is illegal is like having like sophisticated monitoring equipment set up in all areas of the stadium. So that way you can relay signals that are even harder to decode. Right. So what you're saying is that Jay Penske has taken inspiration from the Houston asterisks. You can't see him. I'm, 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 I'm hammering my can of monster right now. It, this is a breaking ball. Um, <laughs> so that that's basically what this is. I mean, Jeff can't. Like, like, oh, like, I, I find it startlingly hilarious that not only did Jeff, like, and Jeff is partly responsible. Like he is team owner. The he, buck he's stops. He's part with, owner of the team. He's part owner. The buck stops with you, big man. All right. Like, not only, like, are you trying? Like, did you try to play down your level of accountability in this? You went to social media and doubled down, saying, "No, no, I promise, it's not as illegal as you think it is." I'm just like, <laughs> no, Jeff, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, ap- I appreciate the conviction and not the backtracking here. And that's all. But that's about. I guess that. I guess that's something. Uh, RJ, this is corporate espionage. Like <laughs> corporate espionage can be cool sometimes. Right? Yeah, from Claren. I, 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 I'm not sure that sticking the equivalent of a supermarket barcode scanner in the middle of a pit lane can be considered cool. Yeah, yeah, uh, you're right. That's silly. That's silly. It, it just seems more stupid than anything else to me. I, 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 I'm not sure I would call that cool. You know, um, I, you know they had to have been caught when, when the first car drove by the pit lanes and it said, have you scanned your frequent shopper card? <laughs> I'm just like- here to buy a payday bar and get back into my shitbox Corolla. You can't, you can't underappreciate the value of a Kroger Plus card. It's like every day's a sale. <laughs> Never gets old. Never oh, it's still gets so old. Good. Oh uh, Jesus! 
honestly, I for one am startled they were not thrown out of the entire weekend for that. Well, you know why? It's because Formerly wants to align itself with Penske Entertainment Group politically. <laughs> <laughs> just, just as do, IMSA, do you do you hear yourself right now? Well, well this is be- this is because with the IMSA decision. Uh, they're aligning themselves with Liberty Media by giving Meyer Shank Racing, who Liberty Media sponsors, more lenient penalties than Pens- that Porsche Penske Motorsports. And it means to position themselves on the side of Formula One against IndyCar in the great open wheel culture war of 2023. I'm very smart. See, this is the part where I pick up RJ and I throw him out of the recording studio. Yes, yeah, Uncle Phil in the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air whenever Jazzy Jeff got a bit too comfortable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's like, oh, like, it's like, like, we eat here later. You eat here never. Looks like you've eaten already. And then that's the moment where Uncle Phil picks him up and he throws him out. Ah! No, no, I just, I just want to channel my inner Mark Phillips. Don't ever do that. (laughs) Oh, dear. Again, Jason in that chat goes, uh, so you're saying I'm RJ's injury replacement. Yeah, sure, Jason. You're welcome on any time. No, but uh, like... I'm stunned they were not thrown out of the weekend. I I I I, I, I agree wholeheartedly. That is mind-boggling to me. That is blatant cheating. Absolutely stone like like we in football have a term. It's stonewall. It is a stonewall penalty. Like this is blatant in your face. I joked about this with Marcus Erickson when he had that clash with Felix Rosenquist in in, in our IndyCar episode, where I said we can't call him sneaky anymore. We're changing the nickname. We're going to go for blatant Swede, obnoxious Swede in yeah, well, your well, face, it, Swede. You can't exactly be sneaky when you're cartwheeling through the air in your race car. In the same way that you can't be sneaky about this cheating. This is blatant. This was espionage. <laughs> you spied on teams. You you set this up in the pit lane to spy on other teams and their tires. How were you still allowed to race? Like, oh my good God. Like, for, like on, now, on st- in fairness, out of all of this, John Eric Vern and Stoffel Van Dorn used this blatant advantage that they had gained to finish eleventh and twelfth. Really, they got That's they it? started from the pit lane, RJ. <laughs> although, although, to be fair, given how the race played out, and we'll get to that in a minute, it almost didn't matter for the fact they started in the pit lane because it was a basically it might have it might as well have just said start from the back of the grid because like the race was so slow until the second safety car. That it like it didn't friggin' matter that they started from pit lane because they were going at about fourteen miles an hour for the first half of this race. Do like, you think that, like, on a serious note, do you think that the fact that Formula E seems to have been hemorrhaging manufacturers left and right is why they didn't want to throw not the book the 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 entire library at DS Penske? No, and the reason why I say that is because, like, what. Like okay, if if you're Penske, if you're Jay Penske or Jev or whatever representative from from DS Penske you want to throw out there, yeah. what leg have you got to stand on politically? None. But what but what leg does Stellantis have to stand on politically? This is true, but at the same time, I was like, are they really going to turn around and say, oh, um, you know, we accept that we were cheating, but we're going to quit the series now because we thought former Marie's punishment was unfair. Like, like you're gonna look like clowns yeah, they, they either get, way. They would get clowned relentlessly for that. Look, and, and look, if, if this, if the series 
like, okay, if the series wants to loosen its own integrity by going easy on a manufacturer for blatant espionage, then maybe this series isn't worth running because that would be about the dumbest thing Formula E could do politically. And this is a series that's already been beaten from pillar to post over the last nine years for some of the dumb shit it's done across its history. We've and spoken some of the about dumb elect- shit that it hasn't done because it's just like, it's mm. not what old heads, it will never be what racing old heads want. No, and look, this was a series that, that has been on the back foot in terms of its public image and in terms of what it's been trying to do as a series from the very start, the last thing it should do, especially given how the last two or three years in motorsport have gone down is to softball people politically. I understand that it sucks as a series that manufacturers have quit. I don't think that's necessarily Formula E's fault. I think a lot of that is, some of these manufacturers own dirty dealings behind the scenes and having to facilitate having coffers for motorsport that aren't as big as they once were. BMW, for example, I'm looking in your direction. Audi, I'm looking in your direction, especially given what what's coming for them in a couple of years' time. Um, people have had to realign themselves financially and dropping eight figures on a Formula E series year on year for little return, um, when a lot of this tech is already in their road cars, Formula E is always going to be one of the first to go. So, Well, well look, at, look at how Toto put it, you know, basically at the start of this year, of course, Mercedes bailed, and he is beyond being team principal of the F1 team. He is the head of Mercedes-Benz Motorsport at large. He said, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, the eyes aren't on it. Why would we continue pumping money into it? Yeah, and... Like, I know Formula E has a development cap, but it's still eight figures every year. That's still a significant... It's still a manufacturer-supported am- series. Like, it's still... With, that's still that's still a significant amount of money every year. Yeah, like, with, with powertrain development, which is going to be a key component of yeah. our, ne- our next discussion. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, like, for example, Jaguar. Their powertrains are in their electric hybrid vehicles right now. Like, their technology has been directly lifted from their racing series into their road cars, which you can go and buy right now. Like this. Well, maybe for, not any one of us right now. Let's well, be real. Not no, on our pay grades. No, 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 no. Patreon.com forward slash motorsport 101. <laughs> but you, you, you see where I'm coming from. I mean, and, and Jason yeah. makes a very good point in the chat. They raced in Cape Town with five did not starts early yeah, in this yeah. very season because of their own shortcomings in terms of suspension layouts and safety issues. Like, technically speaking, this is not even the biggest scandal Formula E's had so far this season, and yet here we are. Um, This is just the funniest one. And and I don't, like, I don't believe that Formula E were genuinely being soft on them because they are one of the few manufacturers they have left but i i I can imagine that that's probably what some people would have thought when they saw the punishment for this come down or thinking oh formally is being soft on them when they when they should be thrown out the whole weekend the whole championship etc etc i think championship is a bit much but yeah yeah man yeah uh so let's let's talk a little bit about the race itself now this was this was a very 
highly discussed and debated um, topic of conversation. Like, I, I'll give you a little bit of behind-the-scenes dialogue from my standpoint. Um, being a part of WTF1, that means, obviously, I, I am a part of the races media circle. And yeah. uh, they asked me to chip in on some, on on whether I thought this was good racing or not. So they were like, Dre, <laughs> we want your opinions on this. And I'm like, you want my opinions on this? Um, okay, if, 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 you, if you insist. Um and I was I this was very much a split room from what I remember talking about this. Now, this was a very unique race. This was a Portland International Speedway. It is if you've seen it in IndyCar, you know how it gets down. They used the full usual layout with no tweaks or changes whatsoever. I say this was a full traditional road course. Yeah. Um, with no compromises, no adjustments, no adjustments, no alterations made whatsoever. It was exactly like you see it. If you know your Indy car, for example, completely the same layout. Um, the fastest track they've ever raced around, and it's not even close. Like they, they, they were, they were shattering top speed records and average speed records all weekend long. I think it was Mitch Evans that recorded the highest top speed ever seen in a Formula. It was over 170 miles an hour, which is pretty remarkable for these cars. These things it ain't is. slow anymore. No, no, they are. They have GT three level speed in pretty much most aspects. Um, so they ain't slow. And what this race, I'd say, certainly until the second safety car, which we'll get to. Um, it, it seems to me like it was almost like a cycling peloton race where it's like you were setting up for the sprint at the end of the stage. Hence why it was 400-plus overtakes over the course of the race, because nobody wanted to lead. Everybody was jostling for position. We had cars that were five, sometimes six cars wide down the home straight, jostling for position. Um, it, it was a NASCAR pack race around a road course. Exactly. And this was this was a 32 lap race. One was there. There was four added laps um, due to the two safety cars that we had Um, extreme. And I do mean this extreme amounts of lifting and coasting uh, cars as many as five or six wide. Nick Cassidy, who started this race 14th on the grid, I'd just just like to point out as well. um, Other comebacks like Mitch Evans, who came back from 20th to finish fourth um, because the grid almost just didn't matter in this instance until the very end of the race. Um, Cassidy won with a late breakaway. Evans made up like 16 spots. He's keeping his slim title hopes alive. Gentlemen, I ask, did this work as a track and as a style of race? And is this a sign of things to come for the series? But before I, I want to counter your question with a question. Sure. Why, why would why would anybody who watched this okay throw out Nico Muller going off and like hitting the wall head on? That's bad. Why would that anyone watch a race? Yeah, that's not good. Glad he walked away from that. Why would anyone watch a race with this much action and come away thinking that this was not good? Well, first and foremost, I'm never going to you know, get too nitty gritty into what people's idea of entertainment is. I mean, it's a very, it's a very subjective discussion in a vacuum. This is what I said on the race. I said in a vacuum, I can totally see how you might think this was entertaining. 
from a narrative standpoint, I did not like how this race went down. I felt like it played up to the worst of some of Formula E's traits as a racing series since its inception. And that was the point that I'm going to, because you guys know me, but we, we've been talking about Formula E from the very start mm. on this podcast, from, this, from, from season two onwards. We've been covering it on here full time. And I've, I've made this point before, and... I, I, I've sometimes said that I think Formula E has a bit of an identity crisis about what it wants its series to be. Like, when it first came around, this was all about bringing racing to the streets and insisting about having street courses everywhere. And that's fine. That, I didn't have a problem with that. I understood the approach. Um, you know, bring motorsport to places where the average fan might not be able to access it. Good idea. Um, nothing wrong bring with Bring racing that. to places that otherwise might not want anything to do with racing. We, yeah. we saw this with multiple attempts to have the one and only ever motor race in the country of Switzerland, which sadly fell through. Yep. Yeah, and that's one element of looking at it. Now, yeah. like, the pandemic, I know, had a, a, a hand in fucking up plans, like season seven in Valencia. We, we've, we've talked about that at length before on this show many a time. The only reason they were there in the first place was because they couldn't organize a proper calendar in the midst of the pandemic. So even though, yes, one of their races was a farce, I wasn't as harsh as I could have been on the series because I understood they were, they were dealt a very bad hand in the first place. Like a lot of sporting series weren't, even beyond motorsport, a lot of sporting series in general were in a bad place. Me, like, we've talked about this before with places like Jakarta, when that made its Formula E debut last year, about, hang on a minute, this is much more like a conventional road course. Well, well, well and part of it is that w with the cars developing the way they have, we are now on the third generation car. We are on still, you know, open powertrain development, batteries aside. Um, these cars are outgrowing their gen one and gen two tracks where these cars are just too fast now to we've, we've had it kind of both ways this year where we've seen all these cars kind of grow into older layouts where they've produced better racing than ever. And we've had a couple of races where the cars are too fast and it kind of dulls everything out because no one can, no one can really leverage the performance they have. I, I worry. Um, it, it I worry about Rome. That's like I worry about Rome in two weeks' time, because Rome has been there almost from the start. And again, they've not raced these Gen Three cars around there, and Rome was already narrow as shit. Yeah, um, it was already problematic with the Gen Twos came around. So yeah, so like that, that's is an example. Yeah. And like, like we've, we've talked about Jakarta at length, and that was much more like a road and street course. And Jakarta was a stinker for Formula E this year. It was boring. Nothing happened. They doubled, they doubled the amount of attack mode involved, and then they had to go add laps for the second race just to try and mix up the result, and that didn't really work either because Mitch Evans was 20 seconds down the road despite the fact he finished third. Like, it, it, it did not work. And when... And let's not forget as a series as well, they were going to try and bring in self-charging... like Fast-charging. Fast-charging tech to turn races into sprints. And I'm sitting here going, I thought the whole point of your series was was, was about regen. 
and well, we, well and, because it isn't gray regen is a component of it what it ultimately and what caused the race that we saw in portland is you have open powertrain development uh-huh. and it's a team's job to decide okay i've got this pool of energy what's the fastest way i can get this pool of energy to the flag now the fast charging fell by the wayside but that was pushed for by the manufacturers because that's they're here to develop at least on a on a marketing level they are here to develop their ev powertrains sure um and ultimately that's what this all boils down to is you've got a pool of energy you need to figure out the fastest way to get that to the end of the race preferably with you in front part of that is going to be how much regen you can do on the brakes some of that's going to be how much regen you do on lift and coast and how much of that is going to be in the case of this race those two together coupled to drafting anyone and everyone you could find to get the person in front of you to break the air in front of you. You know what's mm-hmm. crazy is that Portland is not like when you at Portland in the context of IndyCar, it's a tight, tight freaking track for IndyCars. Mm, yeah. Formula E, whole different ball game. Yeah. Well, that's a high ish downforce, extremely high horsepower, lightweight, you know, thoroughbred racing car. These are fundamentally a very different beast. And like I said, if the way, if the fastest way to get yourself to the end of the, one of these races is to draft the person in front of you as much as possible and then drop the hammer with two laps to go, that's what teams are going to do. Um, uh, yeah. For what, and, and for what, I, a very I dangerous to, yeah. game. I need to stress this point. I don't blame the teams for how this went down. The teams are racing to the best of their intelligence, and that's that's how motorsport works. I don't blame them for this. I'm just not sure. Like, I'm I'm not sure this is the path that Formula E needs to go down as a series to excel itself. If you want to see a pack race with a sprint at the end, I can watch cycling. Yeah, I can watch NASCAR potentially. I, I, well, I, well, can, I don't think it's something that they could have predicted. Just because it's it's your first time on a track like this with new cars and teams are still learn I mean, we're still seeing the form book flip back and forth week to week because teams are still learning these powertrains. Yeah, very believe raw me. Just look at sense. just look at Jake Dennis's results on the season. Yeah. It, it is Erratic. either it's really good or it's really bad. <laughs> yeah, uh, completely all over the place. Um look I'm like I like like I said, in a vacuum, I can't with a clear conscience tell you that this race wasn't boring but it did make me wonder like because the thing is right formula re was selling is upselling this race like it was a huge success they wouldn't be patting themselves on the back over the amount of overtakes that there were in this race and on track action if they didn't think this was a good weekend and because everybody every open wheel series is chasing overtakes that's why IndyCar wow. promoted how many overtakes there were at Road Americas. Why Formula One is always trying to push for regulations that give us more overtakes. Yeah, Formula One overturned their entire regulation set, and all it did was just <laughs> install new management at the front of the grid. Right, like it's <laughs> and like, like, Funny like, how like, works. I, like I mentioned on our F1 episode, every series is now more than ever chasing the entertainment bag and consequences be damned and like 
it it has me wondering, like, because Portland was meant to be a stopgap for the US because they used to race in New York, which was a much more traditional form of the restyle street circuit. I know. Um, I went they, there. Yeah, you went there. King's been there. You know, half the team has been has been there at King some was point. Was at Portland this weekend as a guest of Hancock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they flew his ass out there. You know, lucky bastard. Don't say uh, anything <laughs> about the tires. No, no. The the, 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 uh, the those cinder blocks are wonderful. Well, um, what about what about the pizza? Pizza was good. Um, but uh, no, the point I'm getting at here is that I I. I yeah, and Jason points out as well, it's in the calendar for next season. This was meant to be a stopgap port, and it was meant to be a temporary solution to fix the America problem because they wanted to do a race in the US. They've pushed hard to get a foothold in the US, as Jason also says in the chat. They've signed a deal with Roku to broadcast their races in the USA. There's going to be more on CBS next year. Like, Trust me, I have had many Americans in my mentions over the years tell me that they are desperate to have a proper platform to watch Formula E as a series. The audience is out there for it. I have no doubt in my mind about watching this series. But is this what people are going to want to see in the long run? I, I, I'm not convinced that... Because I've seen Formula E at its very, very best. Like Cape Town earlier this year is a shining yeah. example of how good this series can be without having to resort to potentially dangerous. And if, if, if you want my opinion, traits that have been used to rag on the series in the past, like pack racing and clumsy racecraft, because we have plenty of that too over the course of this Portland race. Sasha Fenestras, you know, drove Sasha to the Fenestras back of was the, the, he personified the struggle bus. Oh, yeah. Like Sam Bird got another driving penalty for running dudes off the road again. You know, it was like we've seen this sort of clumsy, you know, you know, you know bump touring and run, car racing, touring car star racing in Formula E. And look, some people love that shit. And if you do more power to you, like I, I'm not going to tell you how you how yeah. you get down and enjoy your motorsport. Pe pe some people have entire personality traits that are I watch British Touring Car Championship for the contact. Of course. Like, look, you're talking to a Brit. The amount of times of people in my mentions tell me, Dre, why don't you watch touring cars? It's great. You know, they they, they, they bump and barge and, and, and all of that shit. And I'm like, it doesn't appeal to me. That's not the sort of racing I, I like to get down and watch. That's, that, that's never been me personally. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm a bit more cynical towards this sort of race because, one, I think it perpetuates some of the bad parts of Formula E. And, two, I... I think to a degree it conflicts with what this series is trying to do as a sport because for me the whole point of Formula E was that it wasn't sprint races down to the core but at the same time it's never been about peloton racing either so like like so like is is this going to be the future the, of the, the series answer, the answer has ebbed and flowed but in, in the middle of those two things and in this case it went very far off into the Peloton direction because that was the most efficient way to get to the flag here. We broke the scale. We yeah. broke the X, Y axis scale. Yeah. In, in learning and in coming up with a game plan to try and win this race, the teams broke the scale. We're nine years deep into this series. I, I, I still, part of me still can't help but think we shouldn't be in the, we're still figuring this out phase. No, oh, but we're only, we're only half a season into brand new cars. 
Yeah, and that's that's probably a part of the problem. Um, although there's a lot of very intelligent people for, that work for Formula E, and especially given that we've had similar races this year on similar layouts, like like look at look at Brazil for example. Brazil was was another example of a race that very much descended into similar chaos. You know, a lot of bump and runs, a lot of collisions, a lot of touring car racing, and we got a pack at the end. Um, that you know jaguar eventually would go on to win um but we were almost begging sam bird to go for a bump and run on the final lap of that race i I distinctively remember that like bird's got an energy advantage when's he gonna send it and he never did did uh never did and i i don't know like it's in a vacuum i thought it was fine but i do wonder like is this the future for Formula E? I don't know because, like, that I, I could see where they're going with this. They're, they're racing on faster tracks and faster layouts now, and I wonder if that's going to come into play more and more. Like I said, Cape Town was a good example of, of, of the way I think it was done right. Sao Paulo was a bit more dodgy, um, and I'm not. I'm kind of trying to weigh it up on balance, and I'm not sure how this is going to go down. I mean, I don't know how you felt about it watching it. RJ, you know what I'm thinking uh, as I was watching and I'm as I'm putting this together, I'm kind of thinking that the only way we're going to get away from this style of racing, if we, if we need to, is for them to put in the thing that a lot of us don't like and put in fast charging. So that way they don't have to lift and coast this dramatically to get around bigger tracks with the, with, that amount of battery life there's something to that and look, i'm like like i could see why you might want to go down that road but for me what part of the reason why i love formula e is because of the ability of regen being able to save battery yeah. the tactical elements of the series where energy management you know can make or break people in certain ways well, well for me i'll give you an example cam before, before you come in like hmm. Do you remember? Do you remember? Do you remember Mexico City last year when Porsche extended the race by an extra lap just because they could? I thought that was one of the biggest fuck yous to the field I've ever seen. And I fucking loved it. I thought that was brilliant. It I was loved great. It's it. as good as the season god for us. <laughs> it was. It was. Um, you see where I'm getting at here. I yeah. like. I like how the regen element and the energy management side of but the, the series. Energy, that's just the thing, though. The energy management, you just saw the extreme end of the energy management scale of spending an entire race in a pack for everyone to break one another's draft mm. or to break the air for the car behind you because that was the most efficient way to get to the flag. <sighs> um, so this what- is that it, it, it giveth and it taketh away. And I, and I <sighs> wonder, it, would the racing be any better? if it was just purely on which car is the fastest in, in terms of raw powertrain strength, in terms of raw That's speed. That's the other thing. It, w- it wouldn't necessarily be. <laughs> you know, like, we, like that. That's what a lot of people want to push Formula One to be. And when it was that, there were a lot, a lot of stinkers. Because some I was going to say, I, I, I'll be real with you. If you gave us back, if you gave us the tires that everyone wants Formula One to have, Red Bull would be putting laps on the field these days. 
Imagine if they put in refueling on top of that too, brother. It's if over. you if you put the a car of the current like the current power structure in Formula One, if you have a car that dominant and you take away the tire limitations, all you're doing is just making that lead car even more dominant. Yeah, you're making a fast car faster, and that's not yeah, going to help they can anybody. Just use that pace all the time. Yeah. Um, and even even if you brought in fast charging. Which we'll see what happens with that because I know likely it's, it's, come in next season. Yeah, it, it is momentarily tabled. That's still going to have an element of energy management and regen because the shorter time you spend in the pits, more time you can be out on track. Yeah, and the longer and, you can go on track, instance is probably going to be still better. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, it, it's all down to who can make this pool of energy last the best and fastest um it's just in portland we saw a really such an extreme example of it that we tuned in for formula e and a moto three rose race broke out and the funny thing is is that as much as the as much as it's chaotic to many people love moto three and i can and i completely get and understand why it is we we love moto three Oh, of course we, we do. We love it to a we love it to an extent, of we, course. But we, we love, love Miata MX5 Cup <laughs> on the Daytona Banks, which is basically this. Yes, like we all love crack cocaine in motorsport form, but crack is bad for you. <laughs> like, <laughs> like wow. I need to I need, I need to stress this out. Like a little bit might make your night more fun, um, but uh, like too much of it can be extremely bad for you. And I do worry about that's the direction that Formula E wants to go down because I think competitively speaking, that could get messy if if every race devolved into a pack race. I don't think we're going to be at that point. I don't think Formula E suddenly going to just tear off half their calendar for a bunch of road and street, like our own, a bunch of road courses like other series have done. But I did f- I want to entertain that conversation because I do find it fascinating to see how people, diff- different people's perspectives are about what Formula E is and what it should be as a racing series. I um, don't have anything else to add other than the analogy to cocaine. <laughs> you're welcome. I like, think that's the perfect way to end it. We uh, got we got a couple more. We got two more double headers coming up in the coming weeks. We do indeed. <laughs> I was going to say, like, Formula E is back on mm. July fifteenth in a couple of weeks' time. Um, for the uh, yeah, I love that the last two races are also sponsored by the tire supplier, the Hankook Rome E Prix. It's a double header. Um, um, on July fifteenth and sixteenth, we have four races to go in this championship because we have those two in Italy and then we've got the uh the 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 season finale in London at the Excel Center um on July 29th and July 30th and uh they're not even running full power at that weekend because the track is so tight and so small they cannot run at 300 to 350 kilowatts around there which is going to be another fascinating look at the series because how are they going to manage that one is going to be uh all sorts of crazy but uh with four races to go and I still think it's probably a four-horse race for the title just to just to catch you up a little bit Jake Dennis is back in the lead of the championship by one point um, over Nick Cassidy. Um, Jake Dennis has now had five straight podium finishes. None of them wins. He's had, like, he's had four second places in the last five rounds. He's on 154 points. Nick Cassidy's won three out of the last five and is one point back on 153. Pascal Verdine is still in play, 
but he's never been this far off the lead since the series started this year. That's going to qualify the fucking car. Please, in his case. Like, he's, he's now 16 points behind. Um, but Porsche still do lead the Constructors' Championship by six points, funnily enough. Um, so that That's just going down to the wire between Porsche and Envision, because there are only six points between them. And Mitch Evans is still barely alive, hanging in there. He's 32 back on 122 points. But this is Mitch Bruh country. We all know he loves Rome. He's gone very well around Rome on multiple occasions. So if there's any round for a late Mitch comeback, it's this one. So keep an eye on him over the course this weekend. But remember, Cassidy is also very fast around Rome. So that's going to be a... a Let's say we, we can watch out for that. I will be... he. What he'll need to do is be watching out for Sam Bird anywhere <laughs> near him. Y- yes. And if Sam Bird touch even so much as breathes in his general direction, I will get the first flight over there with a baseball bat. Man, enough of your shit, bird. <laughs> oh. Sam Bird villain arc, like which is amazing, given everyone says he's the nicest man in racing, and yet he's now in, he's now apparently the villain in the eyes of the Mitch Evans community. Um, and yet here we are. So four you rounds are to go. The Mitch Evans community. <laughs> I have the Mitch no Evans idea. community. I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> so like I said, Formula E back in a week and a half's time, July um, yeah, July uh, 15th and 16th for the Rome doubleheader. We will, of course, cover that in a couple of weeks' time. I want to say Formula One-wise is next on our list because it's the British Grand Prix this weekend. Um, if anybody is going to be down at the WTF1 Clubhouse, please do come over and say hi. It will be very nice to hear from you. Um, Hell yeah. I am over there Thursday through Saturday, so do say hi if you're around. Um, please don't be shy. I am just as nervous about seeing you as you are to see me, I promise. So if anybody's down there for that, like Doug said, do say hi. I, I, I really appreciate that. Um, and, yeah, we'll be back to talk the F1 British Grand Prix next week because uh, IndyCar's on a week off as well. So just F1 next week. It'll be a nice, quiet time as uh, Red Bull uh, splits some cocks again. Um, oh. So. <laughs> I had to get one more in. I'm really sorry. Um, but uh, <laughs> Sorry, Cam. Um, but uh, <laughs> until next time, I've been Dre Harrison. They've been Cam Buckley and RJ O'Connell. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll catch you guys next time. Sayonara. Later, y'all. I don't know what's about to be more of a dead body. The F1 grid and Silverstone or Andre Harrison.